All right. Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Awesome. Well, it's exciting to be here. Uh, we're, I'm excited to be back. I spent last week in Texas, and uh, you didn't realize how much I missed you guys until I was away from you on a Sunday. And so uh, it's always awesome to gather together and worship and, uh, and, and do that together. And so I'm super excited about that. But uh, over the past few weeks, I've had a little time to think and pray and, and really just have been spending a lot of time uh, seeking the Lord on, on what he has for our church this year. You know, we started in 2015 and we've uh, continued to grow and grow and grow and it's been incredible to be a part of. But one of the things that I've seen to be a pattern for us, and I don't know if it's me or the Lord pattern it this way, but um, is each year has kind of been a different season for us as a church. And uh, as we in, in kind of embark on this 2020 year, I can't believe it's already another uh, 2020. It's, it's crazy to think about. But as I was just praying and thinking through that, I feel like the word and, and kind of the, the, the thing that God's been pressing on my heart is growth and maturity. And, uh, and I, specifically, not just for me, but us as a church, I really feel like as we continue to reach people, which I'm super excited about, uh, what that calls for is for people like you and I uh, to step up and, and to begin to grow personally so that we can begin to lead others, right? I know a lot of people in this room have never thought of themselves as a spiritual leader, but what happens is as we continue to reach people uh, people have to step up and begin to disciple and lead those folks. And so this year, you'll see a pattern uh, in my preaching, and that pattern will be about growth and discipleship. And I hope uh, that it challenges you in a good way uh, to continue to press into God even more. And uh, I'm just excited to see what he has in store for you personally and me and, and also us as a church. And so I want to put before you uh, some growth goals for 2020. And what are growth goals? That's kind of weird to think about. But I believe setting goals are, are a big deal. And I think it's important for us as a church and really you and I as an individual to set goals. And uh, my heart behind this is that I want us as a church, you personally, me personally, to be able to look back in January of 2021 and say, man, 2020 was a year where I really matured in my faith. You know, we're going to learn about what that looks like and what that means throughout this year. But I want to go ahead and just set five very simple goals that I believe will set patterns in your life so that you can begin to grow and mature as a Christian. I want you to write them down. I'll have them on the screen behind me. The first one is this. I want you to set a goal to participate in the 412 reading plan, right? As you came in this morning, you should have received a piece of paper, a little booklet form. What this is, is this is what our church does as a Bible reading plan. 412 comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which talks about the Word of God being living and active. I believe there's nothing more important than you spending time with God in His Word. That is the pathway to transformation. That is the primary way I believe God begins to grow and mature us. And so a lot of times when we come to do that in a year, we don't really know where to go. Like, what do you read? What do you, you know, most people just have a devotion. Well, I want you this year um, to, to, to come alongside of us in this 412 reading plan. And what we're going to do is we're going to read through the letters of the New Testament. Not all of them, but some of them. And it's, it's going to be as simple as I can make it. It'll be one chapter a week. And uh, if you'll download our app, I'm going to give you a discussion question every day for your time with God so that you can dig into the Word and God can begin to change your life even more through it. And so that's the first one. The second one is I want you to commit to participate in a connect group. Um, if you're here and you're not a part of a connect group, 
I want you to commit to participate in one. There's nothing that helps you grow in your relationship with God quite like community, and we're going to talk more about that today. But if you're not in one, today's an incredible day because we will have our meet and greet where you can find a leader and connect with them and and get hooked up today with that. Uh, The third thing is uh, I want you to commit to serve as a connector, right? So here's the thing about the church. God has uh, designed each of us different. He's created each of us to have different gifts, and those gifts uh, together uh, create a mature church, right? And so uh, as you call yourself a member of Connection Church and want to be a part of what God's doing here, I want you to ask yourself, where, where do you fit, right? Are you, uh, where do you fit? Do you fit in the kids area? Do you fit on our welcome team, prayer team? Uh, where, wherever it is that you feel like you're gifted. And, and here's the thing I'd say. You may not have no idea what your gift is or where you fit. Just try somewhere. Just maybe pick out an area and say, man, I'm going to devote myself um, to, to this area. The fourth one uh, is this, grow in generosity, right? So one of the things that we believe at this church is that the gospel produces generous people. And so as we press into God and begin growing in our relationship with the Lord, we, we grow in our generosity. Well, a lot of times we don't really know what that means, right? It's like, yeah, I want to become a generous person, but what does that look like? This year, I want you to commit to say whatever you do now that you consider generosity, whether that be giving your time, your money, your energy, I want you to commit to become a more generous person, right? Whether that be financially given to the church or whether that be given to other organizations or whether that be just picking out somebody that you know is in need and becoming more generous towards that person. And then lastly, number five, I want you to commit to actively making a disciple. Uh, God's given us a great commission, and that great commission is to make disciples of all nations. And so if we're not doing that, we're missing the calling that God has put on our life. And so uh, we had a a saying last year that we called, who's your one, right? Where we were thinking about, okay, who's one person in your life that you can begin to invest in? And so I challenge you this year to put some feet to that and begin to invest your life in that one person this year. And so I believe if you'll begin to pattern your life in these five ways this year, and you'll hear a lot more about these as the year goes on, I believe at the end of 2020, you'll be able to look back and say 2020 was a year where God really grew me in my relationship with God. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, 1 John chapter 1 will be in verses 1 through 10. And I want to talk to you a little bit about community and what it is and why it's important and what the purpose of it is. So let's pray and uh, we'll jump right in. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I thank you that you love us. God, that you're patient with us. God, that you speak directly to us. And Lord, I pray in this moment as we dig into your word, God, that your Holy Spirit would empower it. And God, that it would speak directly to our hearts, God, in a way that we cannot deny that it's you. And God, you give us the courage to step where you say step. And God, you would just reveal yourself to us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So 1 John chapter 1. 1 John is an incredible book. Uh, we'll read it this year in our reading plan. It's such a beautiful uh, thing. John wrote it uh, really with the purpose of helping believers understand their faith and really help them know, hey, if they are truly a Christian. And one of the things that he starts this book off with is really talking about what it looks like to have fellowship with God and fellowship with other people. And that's where I want us to focus today because community and fellowship are kind of synonyms. They're the same word, koinonia in Scripture and uh, I think it'll be beneficial. So verse 1, here we go. It says, that, was which was, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning 
the word of life. So here's what you need to know about John. John was a uh, original disciple with Jesus. So he would have been a person that would have walked face to face, side by side with Jesus. He would have heard him, touched him, saw him. He was a uh, eyewitness of who Christ was and what he had done. And he refers to that here was he, he talks about hearing him and seeing him and uh, touching him. Verse two, he says, the life appeared, talking about Jesus. We have seen it and we testify to it. He says, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us in Jesus. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard. Why is he proclaiming these things? This is important. So that you also may have fellowship with us. I want you to underline that word fellowship. So that you also may have fellowship with us. Why do we tell people about Christ? It's because the fellowship that we have with God we experience it, and we want others to come into that, which makes up the community of faith. And f our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete, right? So one of the things that I see in this passage is that, that, that really John answers some very basic questions about community that I think are very important for each of us to understand. And so the first one is this, what is community? I want you to see how John constantly, he almost goes back to say, listen, I was with Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes. I saw him die on a cross. I saw him raised from the dead. I saw him ascend back to heaven. I saw when he brought the Holy Spirit down on believers. I've seen all this. And listen, all I'm doing is testifying to what I've seen and heard. And as an eyewitness, that would have been a very powerful statement, as it should be a powerful statement for us today. And what he's saying is, listen, this is real. A relationship with God is real. I have one. And now that you have seen and have heard and have touched the same way that I have, we are now in fellowship together. And listen, this fellowship is directly linked to our joy, right? And so he goes into talking a little bit about community. And what you need to understand about what is community is that community exist between people who know and walk with God personally. You got to understand this. Listen, Christian community is different than anything else because it has one prerequisite. You can't walk in Christian community with someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. The prerequisite to Christian community is that each of us have a personal relationship with God because listen, Salvation is a lot different than maybe some of us think about it. You know, the, the Bible explains salvation as being born again. Uh, the Bible explains salvation as literally uh, before salvation, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You do not have Christ working in you and through you. And then after you surrender your life to Christ and put your faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross, you receive the Holy Spirit. So in an instant, the desires of Christ come and now they are real and alive within you. You've actually been made alive in Christ. And what happens is when you're made alive in Christ and I'm made alive in Christ, we naturally can exist in community. Unity. This, this word koinonia means a deep partnership. It's a deep relationship. It's where you understand me and I understand you because our purpose in life is the same. We're connected to the same God. The same Holy Spirit that lives in you lives in me. And what happens is that just forms a great connection where literally you can sit down and talk to somebody and when they have the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit, it's like, wow, we get each other. We get each other. We get what our purpose in marriage is. It's not about our happiness. It's about God and displaying his relationship with his church. 
We get the idea that, hey, we're all struggling and I'm fighting sin and you're fighting sin and we're in this thing together. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but man, we got a good Savior and that Savior's in us and he's working in and through us. We get the fact that, hey, I'm on a mission and you're on a mission and I want to make disciples and you want to make disciples and everything we do in life, we do for the glory of God, strategically for the mission of God. We understand that, right? That, that is a lot about people. That is a deeper connection than any other type of relationship probably you ever have outside of maybe marriage. But even marriage, Christ in a marriage creates that deep relationship in that. You think about it. The majority of our relationships in the world are very surface level. Think about it. The people you work with, would you consider that a deep relationship? The majority of times, the people we work with, all we talk about is work, right? We may talk about something if we're going through a hard time, but it's very surface level. On the other side, if, if, if you're at the ball field, mainly the, the type of relationships you form around sports or whatever, you're talking about sports and really surface level things. You don't really know each other. Well, God has designed Christian community to be very different. Christian community is designed so that you and that other person have a deep connection and relationship based on the Holy Spirit in you and based on the Holy Spirit in them. You know, I didn't know what this looked like until uh, I was in college at Georgia Southern in Statesboro, and uh, there was a church starting up over there called Connection Church. And I'd heard of the pastor, and I really enjoyed his preaching, and uh, he kept talking about something called a connect group. And I'm like, dude, shut up about a connect group already. I'm tired of that. I'm just coming in here to, you know, come to church. There's a girl here I like, so I'm here for that. That's it. And uh, anyway, but he kept talking about it. And finally, you know, one of the connect group leaders just kept harassing me, kept harassing me, kept harassing me. And I was like, all right, dude, I'll come. I'll come. But there better be good food, right? So they cooked some good food. I showed up, and uh, it changed my life forever. Right? But I remember it like it was yesterday. I showed up at this house out by Mill Creek in Statesboro, which is the, the um, rec department there. And I pull into this place, and there's seven guys, right? And I was already nervous. And I show up in there, and I knew one of the guys because he was from Hazelhurst, and I played football against him in high school. So he was kind of my, my safety net. And then the, the other guy was, was on stage. He was a worship leader. And I'm like, man, what do I have in common with a guy that wears skinny jeans? This is about to get weird quick, right? So... Um, so I'm already nervous. My hands are sweating. I don't know what the conversation is going to be like. I have no idea what's about to take place, but I'm there, right? I'm in it. I'm like, golly, this, this is terrible, right? So, well, we start off, we eat, and then everybody circles up in a circle, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is weird already. What are we about to do? Sing songs. The worship leader's here. You know, it's just getting weirder and weirder, right? And so, and then we just open up conversation, and the guy asks, hey, how's everybody doing? Tell me about your week. That was the question. And literally one by one, um, it just so happened that I was the last person, praise the Lord. So it, it went by one by one, and each person shared. And as they started sharing, they shared differently, right? It, it was, there was something about their relationship with God that I was like, I do not have that. Like, they talk about the Bible as if they can read it and understand it. They talk about God as if they walk with him on a personal level. They talk about their struggles as if they're not ashamed about them at all. And I was just sitting there thinking like, God, Lee, how, what, what is going on and what have I missed in this whole thing? And man, I ended up, I didn't say a word the first night. I left and it messed with me. You know what I mean? It was like, God, Lee, I thought I was a Christian. And then I'm looking at this and I, don't, I have no idea. Like what? And so I start, but what I did is I, I committed myself to continue to come back. I didn't talk for like two or three weeks, but um, on the fourth week, fifth week, sixth week, what began to happen is God began to teach me 
what a real relationship with God looked like. Because here's the thing that you got to understand about Christian growth. It can be taught, but it's mostly caught. You understand what I'm saying? So it's one of them things where when you get around somebody who's growing in their relationship with God and you begin to observe them and see what they're doing and that begin to ask questions and why do you do that? Why do you talk this way? What, how do you understand that out of the Bible? What happens is you begin to learn. Right? It's, it's why when you go to medical school or when you go uh, to nursing school or whatever you go to, they send you to do a clinical. Why do they send you to do that? Because you can learn a lot of stuff from the book, but when you get in the room where it's going on, what happens is you actually begin to learn what it looks like to be in the medical profession. It's the same way in a connect group. Man, for some of us in this room that are not a part of community, it is the very piece that's missing to help us become who God wants us to become. It's the very piece that's missing to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord. And you know, one of the biggest issues in, in connect groups, literally, I've been working with them now for 12 years with small groups, and I've read a ton of stuff. I've been in a lot of different groups. I'll tell you this, the primary problem that I see in connect groups is an attitude that happens, right? And so what happens in connect, in some groups, some get it, some don't, People come with one of two attitudes, right? One is a come and watch type of attitude. It's, it's come and, and learn, come and teach me type of attitude where it really is just come and, come and sit, almost like a Sunday service, right? Versus the other type of attitude, which I would say is what makes up an incredible connect group, it's a actually come and share type of connect group. You understand what I'm saying? So a lot of people in this room right now, when you think of church and you think of community, what you think about is coming into an auditorium and you hear a worship leader sing. You may sing, may not sing. And then you hear a preacher come out and I preach, you listen. You don't say a word. You're not called on. Nothing happens, right? But what happens is God actually didn't design the church to work this way. Right? This is something that we've kind of created. God designed the church to be uh, some worship, teaching, and that type of stuff. But there's a layer that goes a little bit deeper where we're designed to live in community where we come together with a small group of people and we begin to talk about what God's teaching us. And listen, here's the crazy thing. As you begin to talk about what God's teaching you in your personal relationship with God, God speaks through you to help other people grow. How crazy is that? It's absolutely incredible. And listen, the point of community is just that. The prerequisite to being in community is being connected to God. It's why maybe some of us are in small groups right now and we're sitting there, we're like, Billy, the, what you're describing is not what happens in my small group. Well, I'll tell you probably maybe one of the reasons that that doesn't happen is because people are coming with a come and sit mentality and not a come and share, right? The best thing you can do for your connect group is press into God. And as you press into God and God begins to grow you and you begin to share about that, what happens is you show up in a group like I showed up in in Statesboro and radical life change starts happening. Because listen, growth in the Christian faith most of the time is caught before it's taught. It's the way that things seem to work. So here's the thing. Number two, I think John answers the question, what is community? Community is exist between people naturally who know and walk with God personally. It just happens as people live 
with God. Number two, what com- why community is necessary. I believe John also teaches us why community is a big deal, right? So you're sitting there thinking, Billy, you have preached now. Dustin preached last week on community. You're preaching on community. Like, what is the big deal? Why should I go to community? Why is it such a big deal to be a part of a connect group? Well, here's the thing you got to understand. John ends in verse four by saying, listen, we write this to you to make our joy complete, to make my joy complete and your joy complete. Here's what you have to understand. You and I were created to be a part of community. Nobody in here was created to live life alone, right? It's just not how you were created. You were created in the image of God. What does that mean? God exists in what? Three persons. One God, but three persons. God himself exists in a three-person community. So if you and I are created by, in, in, in the image of God, don't you know that you and I are created to live life in community the same way he lives in community, right? And so we have to understand community is essential for us to experience joy. And I know what you're thinking, Billy, I feel like I have a pretty joyful life. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Well, what's the difference? The difference between joy and happiness is that happiness is temporary, right? Happiness is based on your circumstances, right? You get a raise at work. I'm happy. You get married. I'm happy, right? You, uh, anything that involves circumstances creates this happiness. But Christian joy is something deeper than that. Christian joy is something that comes from a deeper level. It comes from the heart, the soul. Christian joy is something that no matter what's going on on the outside, what circumstances you're having to walk through, your joy is secure because you have a relationship and fellowship with God. It's this idea that, you know, no matter what you face, your joy can't be shaken because there's an anchor for your soul and that anchor is a relationship with God which can never be taken away from you no matter what the world throws at you. Well, there's some people in this room right now, you're going through a difficult time. You're in a place right now where you never thought you would be. And listen, you're in a place where you're kind of spiraling. You don't really know. You're, you're, you're like, what, what's going on? But listen, The greatest thing about a relationship with God, the greatest thing about our God is he's designed, he never told us life was going to be easy. All right, if somebody's told you that, it's wrong. Things are going to happen. This world is a messed up place. Sin has had its effect on this world. But listen, God promised that no matter what comes in this world, that if you are a Christian, he will be with you. And he has overcome the world. So he says, take heart because nothing can take that away from you. That's our hope. That's the Christian hope that God has given us. So community is necessary because our joy is linked to it, you know? And and so some of us were sitting here thinking, well, Billy, I've been to a connect group and you're talking about it. Like literally I should walk out of there and be like, "Woo, man, I'm joyful. But here's the thing I'd help you understand. Again, there's a difference between happiness and joy, right? God never said that community would be easy. Right? Many of us, we've been to a connect group, and probably the word that we wouldn't use to describe it would be joy, right? But the thing we got to understand is God never promised that community would be easy. Actually, even think about what community actually is. Community is being fully known by someone and then loving others like Christ loves them. Like, that's pretty much the purpose of community. Now, how many of us enjoy talking about what's truly going on in our lives? Nobody, right? But here's the thing. All of us have stuff going on. 
All of us have fears. We have insecurities. We have things we're not proud of. We have things that we don't want anybody else to know about us. And the Bible says those secrets hold us hostage until we confess them to a brother who can pray for us and walk with us through them. But that's not easy. Listen, I'm a preacher. I'm the person that people confesses to. You know what the hardest thing for me to do is? Confess my own stuff. I have to discipline myself to talk to people and say, hey, this is what's going on. I have people in my life that call me and say, Billy, what's going on? No, that's what's going on in the church. What's going on with you? Right? Because I can talk about the church all day, but talking about me and what's going on in me is difficult. But God says the pathway to growth, the prerequisite to God doing a work in your life, is you being honest about who you are and where you are. Because here's the thing, there's, there's, in our culture, there's shame about that. You know what I mean? Like you, you feel like if you struggle or something you're wrestling with or you got these fears or doubts or insecurity or this certain sin you're struggling with that nobody else in the world struggles with it. Well, here's a newsflash. The Bible says that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every person in this room is jacked up is the Billy translation of that. Every person in this room struggles with sin right now and will always struggle with it until Jesus comes back. The only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is now we have the Holy Spirit to help us walk through it. And so as a Christian, when we're walking in community together and why it's so essential for our life is because literally it, it leads us to freedom in Christ because we have people that can walk beside us. Listen, there is nothing like getting a front row seat to watching God transform somebody's life. Listen to me. When you start in a connect group, you're like me. You join the same way I joined in Statesboro. You're nervous. You don't know what to expect. Everything seems weird. The reason it seems weird is because you're not used to it, right? It's, it's weird is a relative thing, right? What's weird to you is not weird to me. What's weird to me is not weird to you, right? So it's relative. So there's weird, no weird, right? But it's just something different for you. And when you start, you kind of walk in and you're like, all right, this is kind of different. I've never done this. These people are talking very openly. I don't know if I trust this person. How am I supposed to talk openly? But what tends to happen is over time, you begin to develop trust with people and you begin to see, okay, they got the Holy Spirit. They struggle. They're opening up about their stuff. I can open up about my stuff. And you kind of begin to grow trust with these people. And what happens is God begins to work in your life. And then your life begins to be transformed. And then what happens is six months and a year down the road, you got a friend that doesn't know the Lord and you're like, hey, I need you to come with me to connect group. You're gonna love this. Guess what they're thinking? That's weird. I'm not coming to that. And then somehow you lure them into it and you figure out how to get them there and they come and they're thinking the same thing you did. These people are talking openly about this stuff. Do they not know this is Vade and people, this is about to spread everywhere. Da, 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 da. You know, they start thinking the same thing. But what happens is, they commit to come back and come back and come back. And then six months later, you look at them and you're like, holy, man, God is doing a work in this person's life. And then their life begins to be transformed because you took your next step and, and went to connect group and your life got transformed. It's, that's how God begins to work. I'm telling you, it's an incredible thing when you begin to think about why community is necessary. And even the, the most crazy thing about it is God has linked your joy to walking in community. So if you think you're experiencing Christian joy apart from being in community and walking in fellowship with God and others, then you're deceived. 
And so God has something more for us if we're not a part of community then we're missing out on what God has for our life. Verse five, John continues on and he says this. He says, this is the message where we have heard from him and declared to you. He said, this is Jesus's message. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I believe in these verses, John answers the question, what is the purpose of community? Why do, we, why do we participate in community? What is the goal? What's the purpose? I believe community helps us walk in the light. You know, here's the thing. When you become a Christian, God's purpose for your life changes. Does that make sense? And so before you're a Christian, you're kind of doing your own thing. You know, the best way I know to explain it is is. God is not on the throne of your life. You're on the throne of your life. The Bible calls that sin, right? So when you do what you want to do when you want to do it and you're the ultimate authority in your life, that's sin, right? That means that's what Jesus had to come and die for. But when we give our life to Christ, the Bible says we trust in him and his saving work for our sin, but we also surrender to his lordship. He becomes the Lord of our life. He gets on the throne of our life. That means that We no longer have authority over our life. God has authority over our life. And what he does is he starts making some changes, right? So he starts changing our relationship with sin. He starts telling us, hey, I have a purpose for your life. And this purpose is for you to grow and become more like Christ. And he says, listen, and there's a pathway for that happening. And that pathway is for you to be involved in the church, for you to receive a family of believers to do life with and walk alongside of you. He changes your purpose in life. Your purpose begins to be about his mission and his agenda and what he's trying to accomplish. And he begins to show you that you were created to actually be in lordship to him. That's actually where we find our ultimate joy is walking in and under the authority of Christ. And community is the pathway to making this happen, right? So if we're a believer and the goal for our life is not to walk in light so that we can walk in fellowship with God, then, our, then, then God's not the Lord of our life. Because when we begin to become a Christian and we get saved, our purpose in life is now to become like Christ, is to walk in light, is to begin to walk in fellowship with God, right? And so here's the thing. A lot of us, the reason we don't walk in community is because the goal of our life is not to become like Christ. And then we have a whole different set of issues. At that point, our issue becomes to to be a salvation issue because what's happened is most likely we've accepted Christ as Savior, but we have not accepted Christ as Lord. But the problem is Jesus don't do half in and half out, right? Jesus is Lord and Savior or he's nothing. And so as we begin to surrender to Christ, we begin to get the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit. That Spirit gives us desires to say, man, I want to live for God. And part of living for God is beginning to walk in the light and beginning to become like him. Well, how do I do that? Phenomenal question. 
Community is the pathway to becoming more like Christ. It's an incredible thing that God has implemented to do that. I want you to listen to Paul David Tripp talk about this idea of fellowship or community. He says this. He says, community is God caring enough to put people in your life to encourage, rebuke, and comfort you. We, we were not wired by creation or even recreation to live on our own. Jesus makes his invisible presence visible through, his other, through, through others in community. Listen, independent, self-focused living never goes anywhere good. We must all come to understand and accept the truth that our walks with God are community projects. I want you to write that down. My walk with God is a community project. Listen, this is completely different than some of us think, right? Some of us, when we think about our walk with God, religion is a private matter, right? That's what the world would teach you. Your religion's your religion. My religion's my religion. But the Jesus religion don't work that way. The Bible says when we're saved, our relationship with God becomes a community project because we were born and created in the image of God and he exists in a community, right? So if the better, the version that God wants of ourselves is on the other side of community. God wants us to know people and to be known because what happens is when we walk in community and people fully know us and know, hey, this is my fears, this is my insecurities, this is what's going on in my heart, and they still love us despite our flaws, what happens is we get a true picture of the gospel because that's what God does for us. You know that? Jesus knows everything about you. Listen, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that you don't want him to know, he knows your fears, your thoughts, your insecurities. He knows all that. And guess what? He still loves you. He loves you enough to send his own son to die on a cross for you so that you can be in a relationship with him. That's the gospel. But listen, our world teaches you the exact opposite. Man, if they truly know what's going on with me, they would never want me up in that church. I've heard people all the time, Billy, I would come to your church, but if I walked in there, the roof would cave in. Right? That's what they tell me all the time. Hey, if you only knew what I was, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's we think God is scared of our mess, but God ain't scared of our mess. He actually specializes in working in our mess to create something great. Because what happens is he meets us exactly where we are and he begins to grab us by the hand and get us to where he wants us to be. Community helps us walk in this light. So what does it look like for a connect group to walk in light together? Let me tell you. First John would tell you this. It's not perfection. Most people, when they hear walk in the light, the first thing they think about is perfection. But what does John say? Does he say, hey, you need to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. Matter of fact, you need to be perfect. And if you sin, you're going to get beat to death. He doesn't say that, does he? What's his next sentence? If you say you're without sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. That, that's like a radical change. I mean, you read that and it's like, what? What he's saying is, listen, on this side of heaven, we will constantly be in process. Walking in light doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're walking alongside of other people, confessing sin and beginning to move towards Christ. So how do we walk in the light in a connect group together? Number, the first thing is we confess and fight sin together. We help each other see the blind spots in our life. Listen, community 
it, it, it's almost like a roadblock. You know what I mean? In a way, it's, it's like literally we get people in our life that have the heart of Christ, that love us, that literally can say, hey, you probably need to get off of that bus because that bus is sinful and it's probably about to hit a tree dead on. Trust me, I've been on that bus. Somehow I survived it. You need to get off. That's a blind spot. Why don't you come and walk with me so I can lead you to life the same way Christ has led me to life, right? So when we're not in community, what happens is literally we're boarding these buses left and right, and they're heading straight for a tree, but we got nobody else to see the blind spot. Because listen, when you start thinking about it, you know, we really are not smart people. You know what I mean? The, the thing about sin and the reason it's such a struggle for all of us is that we love to sin. You know what I mean? Even if you're a Christian, there's something attractive to you about sin. And what happens is when, you, when that sin conceives in your mind and, and you say, man, I want this, this is where I want to go, it almost puts blinders on you. You know, where it's like, let's say you're in here and you're like, man, I just want to be married so bad that I'll sacrifice anything, right? And so you begin to worship marriage and you'll sacrifice your sexuality, you'll sacrifice living together, you'll sacrifice everything. And to you, it doesn't seem like a big deal because you're focused on your tunnel vision goal of if I can get married, I'll be happy, right? It's the same thing. When our tunnel vision's on money, we're willing to do whatever it takes to get to that money. Well, here's the thing, in community, you got people around you that can say, hey, dude, I don't think you're seeing this the right way. I love you. Let's talk about this. And so sometimes that stirs us up a little bit. But at the end of the day, if we know the people around us love us, it's like saying, hey, get off of that bus. It's about to hit a tree. Come on. Nobody in here wants to be on a bus that's going to hit a tree, right? If you do, we probably need to have a different conversation. So how else do we walk in the light? Not only do we confess and fight sin together, we point each other to the gospel. Listen, there's people in here, you walk your whole life in shame and condemnation. But the gospel says, listen, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has delivered you from your past and he has filled you with his Holy Spirit. You are no longer sinful in his eyes. You are righteousness. You are holiness. You are him. And now he wants to work in you and through you. You need people to remind you of that. Listen, for some of us, the Christian life is so discouraging. We feel like every step we take forward, we take three back. You ever been there? Absolutely. Everybody, if you're following God, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been there, in that moment, you need people in your life that can encourage you. That's what community is all about. So not only do we point each other to the gospel, we point each other to the truth. Listen, God's word is essential in community. When you're in a connect group, it really doesn't matter what uh, Jane thinks about what you're doing. I don't care how smart Jane is or how many times she's been through this experience. It really don't matter. At the end of the day, Jane should point you to the word of God, which is the truth, which is the truth that sets you free, as Jesus would say, right? And so in connect groups, it's not a time to express our opinions because listen, in groups, people may or may not be making life decisions off of your advice, and so when I give it by the same way when I preach, I don't preach my thoughts. I preach the word of God. Why? Because I don't want anybody walking out of here and saying, well, Billy said this. I need to do this. Because I'm sinful. 
right? My mind is not the truth. What Billy says is not the truth, but I can point you to the truth of what God says, and that's the truth that's going to stand on solid ground. That's the truth that's going to lead you to freedom. That's the truth that's going to set you free. How else do we walk in the light in a connect group? We help each other grow. We care for one another. We embrace the mission of God together. If our goal in life is to walk with Jesus, then it only happens in community. Listen, isolation is the devil's playground. It always has been. The first step for most of us away from God is a step away from community. Listen, I've seen it a thousand times. When people are in community, it's easy to keep their eyes on Christ. The moment they're isolated, the devil just starts throwing stuff at them, and they begin to wander off. And usually it takes something bad happening for them to come back. You do not want to be that person. Community is essential for us. So here's how I want to end today. I know there's probably three people in this room. One is the person that's not living life in community right now. Maybe you're in a connect group. Maybe you're not in a connect group. There's a difference in being in a small group and actually somebody knowing you and you actively loving people the way Christ loves. There's, there's a big difference in those things. Or maybe you're in a connect group. Or, or maybe you're in here and you don't even have a relationship with God. You're like, Billy, this sounds great, but man, who cares? Like, I, I don't have time to be in a connect group. Right? Well, most of the time, here, here's the deal. If we, if we don't have a relationship with God, that's the first step. We need to begin to surrender our life to Christ and say, man, like, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for God because that's what I was created to do. I've seen God and who he is and what he's done, and that's who I, I want to be on team God, not on team me. And so if you're in here, that's your first step. Or, or if you're here and you're not in a connect group and you're not in community, man, you, you're on shaky ground. And listen, how terrible of a pastor would I be to just say, hey, keep on living outside of community. Hey, keep boarding that bus that's going into the wall. No, I want to lead you to life. I want you to experience the joy that God has for you. And that joy is found in fellowship with God personally and in fellowship with other people. You came on a great day because we're going to give you an opportunity if you're not in a connect group. We'll have all the leaders around here at the end of this thing so that you can sign up. You can see them and say, hey man, that one looks cool. I know them. I'll go to that one. And then for the last minute, I just want to share, if you're in a connect group, here's my encourage for you. Do not be a connect group killer. I want to explain what that is. A connect group killer involves a few things. A connect group killer is somebody who attends inconsistently. It's hard to build community when you're not there. A connect group killer is somebody who has fallen into complacency. Listen, connect groups are all about you pursuing God and coming to share what God's doing in your life. Listen, if you're complacent, it's not just affecting you, it's keeping others in your group from experiencing what God has for them. Connect group killer is, is fakeness. Listen, if you're in a group and, and, and you just kind of got this facade of, of who you want people to think you are, but you're not truly being honest about who you are and where you're at, that isn't community. That's wasting your time and our time. Another one is, is, is gossip, right? It, it, nothing destroys a connect group faster than gossip. Listen, when you're in a connect group, our leaders know everything you say is confidential, right? Listen, how can you develop trust with people who would leave a connect group 
and talk about you behind your back. That's not the, that's not the family of God. That's the world, right? This should be a place that's safe to say, hey, I'm struggling, you're struggling, let's talk about this and let's get through it together. Let's pray for one another, not beat each other down. That's not what community's designed to be. So if you're here and you're in a connect group, here's my encouragement. Don't be a connect group killer. Press into God in 2020 more than you ever have. And I promise you, God will do an incredible work in your life. Right where you are, I want you to bow your head. If you're in this room today and you'd say, Billy, I don't have a relationship with God. I just, I, I don't. And I know that. God has revealed that to me during our time together today. And I want that. I would love to talk with somebody about that. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand right where you are and say, Billy, that's me. I would love to talk with somebody. I need to talk to somebody. Is that anybody in the room? Just raise it up high. So, Father, for the rest of us, Lord, we love you. God, we're so thankful that you established your church. God, what an incredible privilege it is to get to walk through life with other believers. Father, I pray, God, for the people in this room that are kind of doing life on their own, that church for them is just come and sit and not come and share. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would take their next step and join a, a small group, God, and I pray that you would use it to change their life forever. So, Father, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.